Hello, and again, welcome to BitDev. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... This is Paul Whitaker from Denver, Colorado. Awesome. (laughs) So, of course, who are you and what do you do? So, I am a singer-songwriter. I most recently was playing in a band called Whitaker, which is just taken, obviously, straight from my last name. (laughs) And um, right now it's it's still just kind of like a, a hobby for me. I do still have a regular day job, but um, yeah, doing everything that I can to to turn this into a career and and just spread music that has a hopeful message in such a, a heavy kind of dark world right now. Yeah, definitely. How did you first get started in music? So I first started playing music um, in high school. I saw a buddy at, at school playing Thunderstruck on this electric guitar, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, so naturally, as a 15-year-old kid, I asked for a guitar for Christmas and like learned two or three songs and then put it up for probably a year or so. Um, and just like kind of naturally found myself picking it back up a few years later and becoming really passionate about it. And that developed into playing for some friends in college. And then once I moved out to Colorado and met my bandmates, I was like, gosh, this would be an amazing career path. Um, And knew it would be really, really difficult. But, um, you know, I was just like, I want to go for this. So, yeah, it's kind of the 10,000 foot view on how things have (laughs) developed over the years. Yeah. Where did you grow up and what brought you to Colorado? So I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I still like Indiana, but I just knew from a very early age that it was not going to be the city that I wanted to live in for a long time. Um, So in college, I started to become really passionate about rock climbing, and there's not a lot of rock climbing (laughs) opportunity in Indiana. So um, my parents actually took a trip to Colorado without me once I had like moved out of the house and started working and they were sending pictures of garden of the gods in Colorado Mm -hmm. Springs. And I was just like, I am in the wrong place right now. So, (laughs) um, I think it was like two or three weeks from when they sent those pictures on vacation. I was like, I'm moving and packed up, packed up my car, sold everything that I owned and just like restarted life in 2016 in Colorado. And it's been great ever since. Yeah. Did you, did you ever, I guess, try to do music in your hometown or did you really only start in Colorado? I would say it really only started in Colorado. Um, like I said, it, it, it was a hobby and I would play for friends from time to time, but there was never a moment where I was, you know, seeking out big shows and, and like really getting any kind of momentum in Indiana. Um, it really took being in Denver for that to start happening. Yeah. So I guess, how do you, how do you feel like the Denver music scene is sort of unique to Denver? I I feel like every place kind of has its own character and its own kind of style. So what, what makes Denver specifically like Denver? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, So whenever I moved out to Denver, I had no intention of playing music. Um, It really took a couple of months to realize like, man, there's something really special about the music scene here that feels like things are possible. 
Um, and really what that, that difference was, was I guess compared to Indiana is every single big band or good band or band that I'm a fan of always tours through Denver. Um, and in Indiana, you know, as a touring band, you're not like, Oh, I cannot wait to go to Indiana on tour. Um, but bands love to come through Colorado. So there just became a moment where I realized that all of these bands are coming through Denver and there was a lot of opportunity for local musicians to open up those shows. Um, so there just came a point where I was like, man, I bet I could bring 10 people to this show for this artist. That's going to bring 50 people on their own. And that kind of started to snowball like, okay, I'll bring 20 people. I'll bring 50 people. And that just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And those opportunities, I don't think, exist with such little competition um, in cities like LA, Nashville, New York, but we're just kind of in this bubble in Denver where it's like, gosh, there's a lot of low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. for like a musician that's willing to work hard here. Um, And yeah, it just kind of like captivated me and I never, never looked back. Yeah. Heck yeah. What do you think are the factors that contribute to an artist's success specifically in Denver? man, you just got to be relentless. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. And not that I'm like a successful musician by any means, but I would say for like every opportunity that someone tells me yes to, I'm getting rejected like a hundred other times. And it's really tough to not get down on yourself and not be like, Oh, people just hate my music and I'm not meant for this life. You know, you just kind of got to keep going and keep going and just believe in the art enough to like be able to brush off the negativity that you get from the music scene every single day. Um, and I think if you believe in it and you have a purpose, then, you know, there's going to be a path for you one way or another. Yeah. What are some of your biggest influences kind of whenever you first started and where you are now as a band? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think like some of my earliest inspirations were Jack Johnson and Dave Matthews band. Um, And I wouldn't say that my music is anything at all like them, (laughs) but it was really helpful. Like Jack Johnson plays acoustic guitar in, in a really interesting way. Um, And I don't want to like get too technical about it, but I kind of watched him and how please do actually okay all right cool so um jack johnson plays like lots and lots of bar chords um which whenever you're learning guitar is such a frustrating thing because bar (laughs) chords are so difficult to play for like the first year or two of learning um but they also sound super unique so whenever i was learning um it was like gosh if i want to sound if i want to make my guitar sound like jack johnson i have to play bar chords um and dave matthews was kind of the same way where it was like all right these guys play in a really difficult style for a beginner but i'm just gonna like do my best and it sounded terrible for years and (laughs) i'm still not even you know great at guitar but i really appreciate them as like the people that i watched early on because um yeah just taught me some things that that i really value today yeah. And then with the influences that you have now and how that sort of affects your band. Yeah, that's sorry, I forgot that part. So yeah, it's all good. 
moved from like being a solo musician and then going into a band, like I started to just love rock music so, so much more. Um, so there are some kind of indie bands, um, that started to really influence me. Um, trying to think like Raylan Baxter is an artist that has a rock band behind him and, and he's really amazing. Um, Will Dorado is one rainbow kitten surprise, kind of a weird name, but just like these, uh, yeah, these rock bands that in their live shows just had huge sounds. And I was like, that's what I want to go for as a band. Um, but even then since COVID-19 hit in March, um, and our band has like lost all of our shows, I've started to go back to my roots and like really appreciate acoustic kind of stripped down singer songwriter music and have started to write and release music that way again, um, which it's been years since I've done it that way. And it's kind of a learning curve all over again, but um, it's just so hard to know when live music's going to come back in full capacity. So um, I'm kind of just like owning that singer songwriter thing again. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something that I relate to a lot. Cause I, I, I do that a lot too, or I kind of started out with that, like, here's just me and a guitar. And so I guess, how yeah. do you, I guess, break away from that and then learn to accept that? <laughs> yeah. Kind of like breaking away from the band. Is that what you mean? Or well, how do you break away from the, like the singer songwriter guy of like, here's a guy and a guitar and then, you know, that probably has to do mm -hmm. a lot with having a band, but then also then even with the band sort of allowing yourself to be able to, all right, here is just some acoustic stuff that might eventually work with a band. Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify, like right now the band is like one entity and then my solo music is totally separate from mm. it. But, um, it's been it's been cool. And like, I've always kind of written my, my songs on a guitar by myself. And then even in the context of the band, I would just bring it to the, to the group of guys and be like, here's this song that I wrote. And, you know, five or 10 minutes later, there's a big drum beat that's behind it and a lead guitar line and all of these different things. And it's like, okay, I didn't even have to do anything to move this song from just an acoustic guitar song to a full rock band song. I kind of always leaned on my bandmates to help me out with that. Um, but now that I'm like writing and recording at home um, and I'm not really even worried about the live shows at this point, I'm just like, I could, you know, do whatever I want with these songs. And even though I, I write them on my acoustic guitar, I can use these digital keyboards and like digital percussion and make it sound almost like, almost like a band band song. And I made it in this tiny little bedroom. So um, I think just my view of the music industry and like how I'm going about it is totally changing because of this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you normally write about or is there even a limit to what you write about? Yeah, I, I think I, fall right in line with artists that um, write about love and relationships and all of that good stuff. Um, but, you know, that can become a little tired over time if you don't have something re really unique to put out there. Um, so then I, I do 
try and like intermingle that concept into my Christian faith as well. Um, and just trying not to pigeonhole myself as a Christian artist, but also wanting to stay true to my desire of writing music that has a hopeful message in it. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the two themes that I pull from all the time. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking about that Christian message. Uh, there is kind of like a, a small area that you can encompass where it's like not a Christian artist, but a Christian artist. And so it's like, it's kind of difficult to pull that thing off because like, I mean, Sufjan Stevens has done it really well, but it's like, how do you kind of find that balance in there? hundred percent. That's something that I'm like daily working through right now is there's so many artists that I really love and respect that have found that balance so well, like need to breathe is a really big band that, has like has towed that line well and judah and the lions another one and it's just like trying to figure out how to show people that there is like a hopeful message while also keeping it open-minded enough that anybody can listen to it so um for me personally i'm just trying to write the most honest music that i possibly can and then i guess just kind of check it on the back end and be like, does this sound so blatant or is this like cheesy or whatever? And if I get done with the song and it's like, I feel like I was honest and I communicated what I wanted to communicate, then great. I'm going to wrap it up and send it off and let it like be out there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about like the Christian music genre? Uh, Because I feel like sometimes it's it's such a specific thing and that once yeah. you kind of veer into that territory it it like it's hard to kind of break out of that box yeah that's a really good point um and i think so i guess a couple things i would say if for whatever reason i doubt this would ever happen but if for whatever reason my music somehow got pigeonholed into just being straight up christian music and it was successful in that way then that would be great i would own that and just be like, this is the way that I am going to make music my career and I'm going to own it and I'm going to be proud of it. Um, but then also like I went to a worship concert this last weekend, which was like the first concert of, of this season that I've gone and seen. And I mean, the artists were like straight up worship leaders on stage. And I was like, I, I just am not this kind (laughs) of artist. So Um, you know, I think that there is just, whenever you really want to just be a Christian artist, I think there are obvious things that you do that like lock you into that. Um, and if you don't want to do be pigeonholed into that, then, you know, I think, I think it's easy to kind of like veer away from only being a Christian artist as well. Yeah, definitely. So since you've been kind of, we've all been kind of cooked up at home, but like, how have you been exploring the usage of sort of working by yourself and using the computer and using technology to create sort of different things that you haven't been able to do before? Yeah, man, it is crazy how much my process has changed um, over the last like six or eight months. Um, Prior to 
coronavirus, my band would like pay a producer $10,000 and we would go into a studio and like have someone else completely take care of our recording process. And once we lost all of our shows, that was just clear that it wasn't a reality anymore. And um, I like bought a new computer, bought Logic Pro, bought like a cheap used microphone off of Facebook (laughs) Marketplace and just like started to go for it. And it sounded super bad at first and it's still definitely not totally dialed in, but it's just a big process of trial and error right now. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just kind of like press buttons and turn knobs until it sounds good to my ear. And I'm like, all right, I can't afford to do this any other way. So this is how it's going to be. But it's been really fun. And one of the hardest parts of like recording with another producer was spending time in the studio and then leaving and then being excited about what you just recorded, but having to wait like weeks before you heard that producer's edit of it. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I just want to listen to it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And now whenever I'm recording it here, I'm like, okay, I can mix this and do whatever I want to it. And there's no pause of like needing to like wait for someone else to work on it, which is really great for somebody that (laughs) is impatient. Like I am. Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) Um, so you do kind of mention, uh, being in the studio and also live shows. How do you kind of compare the experience of creating music in the studio versus having this live experience and playing in front of people? That's a really good question. Um, so in the like digital age of Spotify and everything, I think every artist is kind of aware of there being like a formula that, that Spotify and Apple music like wants, like they want songs that are three minutes and 30 seconds long and they want them super loud and, and tight and whatever else, you know? And then in the live show, we were a band that just loved to have long solos and, long intros and very like um i don't i don't even know what to call it but we were just super loose we didn't play the song the same way twice ever um so it's kind of a challenge to play the songs one way in a live setting and just be like gosh this is so much fun to have all the freedom in the world and play it any way that we want and then go into a studio and be like all right now what do people actually want to hear and like, how long can this song be to hold people's attention and whatnot? Um, there's just like two totally different thought processes that that go along with it. But I think both are equally fun. It's just totally different, totally different methods, you know? Yeah. How do the, or how would the band members sort of change what your perception of a song would be whenever you brought it to them and sort of, because I noticed this in, in myself too, is that maybe over time I'll listen back to something I've done or whenever I play with a different guitarist or a different drummer, I'll hear something different in the song. So like how, how do, how does collaboration sort of change your perspective about your music? man, they always made all of the songs like so much better. (laughs) Um, And it's one of the hardest parts of knowing like we're going to be playing less and less together just because we're kind of all going different directions in life. But 
every time I'd bring a song, I'm not the kind of person that like writes a song and can envision at the start what it's going to be at the end. You know, I need, I rely on other people to say like, this is what kind of drum beat should go in, or this is the instrumentation that I would use in this song. So to be able to go to musicians that I trusted um, and like just play the song on the guitar and for them to immediately be like, all right, this is the banjo part and this is the guitar part and this is what the drums are going to do. Um, always just was like such a fun experience to have my idea of a song like immediately expanded. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. What are your goals, I guess now as an artist, um, where would you want to see yourself being and, you know, kind of past COVID, but like, I guess, do you want to become, you know, as big as blank or do you feel satisfied sort of reaching some sort of level of sustainability? Yeah. So my whole purpose or like my whole goal is to like be able to use music as my income to pay the bills. Like that's Mm -hmm. what making it would look like for me. Um, with that said, the dream has totally shifted over the last few months from like being in a band and we were, you know, we were like, we want to be as big as Coldplay. We want to be huge playing stadiums, like just be a huge rock band. And now just being like a solo songwriter, I'm like, well, maybe I could help write songs for other artists and like have some income that way. And uh, maybe, maybe having like music placed in TV shows or whatever is another way of making some money. So it's not so focused on playing for huge audiences anymore as it used to be in the band, which is a bummer because playing live is so, so much fun, but I don't know if I would have as much fun playing music just by myself on stage. So I'm just kind of looking at the different routes that, um, could become like sustainable as a career. Yeah, definitely. I guess, um, well, sure. I'll, I'll go into the kind of more broad philosophical musical type questions. So is there such a thing as bad music? I don't think so. Um, I think if you're making music that feels honest and like, you know, what you want to get out of it, then that's great. Um, yeah, I don't, I think there are songs sometimes that I write and I'm like, oh, that's not as good as others. Um, but, you know, I think if you're like thinking through things and and you're making what you want to make, I don't think there's such a thing as, as bad music, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what is selling out? So I would say like for the first album that our band made, um, so there's this thing in Denver called uh what's it called hometown for the holidays which is like our local radio station that has the the highest listenership chooses 10 artists every every december um to like play their song on the radio and it gets hundreds of submissions and it's very clear like your song needs to be three minutes and 30 seconds long like there's a formula that they want the song to hit And for our first album, we were like, all right, we're going to, we're going to win hometown for the holidays (laughs) and we're going to make our song the, the way that the radio station wants us to make a song. And we'd never won probably because our music sounded like 
formulaic and that in my mind is is kind of selling out it's just like we're going to do what other people tell us to do because they say that it's the right thing and like we lose <laughs> the connection with why we even do it you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> do you separate art from the artist mm. can you explain that anymore <laughs> uh so it's like where where i don't know like there are there tends to be some terrible people in the greater music scene uh the biggest examples being like kanye west or depending on if you've seen the documentary (laughs) michael jackson and so it's like are you still able to enjoy art or you know music in this instance but art really even though you know that the person that created it is quite possibly or definitely a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that totally clears it up. Um, that is a challenge for me. Um, because you know, there's some, there's some music that's just so undeniably good and it's just so easy to enjoy, but whenever you hear, um, like a negative story about the person, it definitely taints the experience of listening to it. Um, and on the flip side of that, for artists that are just so good and have like such a, a great purpose for why they play music, it makes me just like that much more obsessed with their songs. Um, like I love to just watch artists interviews on YouTube and just be like, wow, this person is amazing and they're they have like such cool perspectives on life and anxiety and whatever um and i'm like now i want to go listen to their music because i really appreciate them as a person um so i think it goes both ways but yeah i i don't know i i think it's kind of inseparable you know yeah definitely what have you been listening to lately what's sort of been giving you some comfort during covid yeah, so I've got my Spotify pulled up now. <laughs> um, Judah and the Lion is one of my favorite bands, the Avett Brothers. Um, but I've been listening to like really chill music and like sometimes instrumental like hip hop beats that have no lyrics or anything. Um, just because when you're working at home alone all day, uh, that kind of music has just been really calming and soothing to listen to. Um, so yeah, I've really, really enjoyed kind of lo-fi instrumentals, I guess. Yeah, cool. Uh, I guess shameless plug, I have an ambient album that's on Spotify, so look up Santiago Ramones, Bloom. Uh, <laughs> nice, love it. So uh, <laughs> I guess two more things on this front. Um, what's something about you that people don't normally know? Something about me that people don't normally know. It's tough because I'm, I'm an open book, like whatever I'm feeling, people know that like, I'm going to dish it out there. Um, but I think a lot of people get this idea that I am a full-time musician. Um, and I'm actually a social media marketer by day, um, which I think helps a lot with like knowing how to promote myself and my music. Um, but yeah, tons of people are like, Oh man, you're doing this full-time. That's so great. And I'm like, no, I actually like run Facebook ads for car dealerships during the day. So I still have a ways to go. Yeah. 
And then lastly, what is some advice that you would give to people who are also wanting to uh, try and get noticed in their music scene or get more Spotify plays or really just make it in some way in the music scene? Yeah. So one really cool thing that I'm working on right now that is just like an idea that my friend gave me um, is collaborating with other artists. And um, I've just like started reaching out to artists that I really love, not like people like Coldplay or Dave Matthews or something like that, but, you know, artists who are obtainable to get in touch with and just saying, I really like your music and I would love for you to, to work on a song with me. And um, I think that will open up my music to their audience, but it also helps that artist get some income while they're like not touring and stuff. So um, that's great. And then one of the biggest things that's helped me get heard on Spotify is just like making connections to independent playlisters. So not even worrying about like the Spotify official playlist, but there's people out there who make amazing playlists on their own and like you can get to know them and say, Hey, I think my music would be a good fit on this. And a lot of times they're like, cool, I would love to listen to it and consider it. So I think that's a great route. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, actually just thought of another, uh, fun question for this, but like, since you've, uh, done a whole lot of touring with bands and stuff, what's sort of been a moment that, um, I guess two moments, one moment that just felt like completely glorious and awesome. And another, and another moment where you felt like everything was falling apart, but you still pushed through. Yeah. Yeah. Two things come to mind for both of those. Um, so like living in Colorado, Red Rocks is an obvious venue that everybody is like, I want to play at Red Rocks. And whenever I moved out here, um, I would just like go to the venue by myself late at night, like one in the morning, whenever there's nobody there and just like sit and dream about what playing a show at Red Rocks would be like. And last year, our band got a chance to play. There were like 7,000 people there. And we walked out onto that stage. And it was just like everything kind of running through my mind, all the memories of going there by myself and like dreaming about it. And then walking out and seeing thousands of people at arguably the best venue on earth was just like, <laughs> this is insane. I love this. Um. But then one of the toughest moments was on our tour in March, we were in Seattle for the first time ever. And it was like, first of all, Seattle was like the most like focused on place of coronavirus. It was like Seattle is the, the hub of everything. People are dying there. So we went to Seattle and there was nobody at the show. I can't even believe that they even had us play the show, but there were like three people there and we had driven at least 10 hours to get there. And it was like, wow, this is terrible. I do not want to be doing this right now, but um, we pushed through it. And like still to this day, it's a few of the band members like favorite show just because 
when there's nobody in the crowd, you can just try anything and like not be worried about being judged. So it was, I guess it was fun in certain aspects, but it was tough to tough to get through. Those three people got a heck of a show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Switching gears to the tough questions now, what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? So spirituality and religion is just like my only source of hope. Um, like without my Christian faith, I just feel like so much anxiety and so scared of like the world. Um, and whenever I like focus on my faith and I press into like that side of my life, that's the only source of hope and like the only way to like release and melt away some of that anxiety. So huge, huge part of my life. Um, and man, I, I like struggle to press into it a lot. You know, it's easy to just be distracted by so many other things in the world. Um, and it's hard to prioritize like making that important to you, but, um, it's just so obvious that when I'm in a moment of life where I'm pressing into it, there's less anxiety, there's more clarity. Um, I feel happier. And whenever it like takes the back seat to other things, I'm like, gosh, I feel overwhelmed and sad and just like hopeless. Um, so it's crucial for me. Yeah. So then I guess I always like asking this for people who are Christian is at what point did your faith become, I guess, get into your own hands rather than like, oh, it's what my parents raised me to be or whatever. Like at what point mm -hmm. did you commit yourself? Yeah, good, good question. So in high school, um, I was like taking a really negative path and I, I was raised in a Christian household where it wasn't an option to go to church every single Sunday. Like I was going no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I would like fake being sick on Sunday mornings. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um, and I was just like going down a bad path. I was like starting to become curious about drugs and like just, you know, bad things. Um, and I ended up getting caught like doing some drugs and, and like getting into that culture. Um, and as a part of my punishment, I guess, um, my parents were like, you don't have an option. You're getting involved in like the youth group at church. And, um, I started going and like started leading the worship at, at my youth group. And slowly over time, I was like finding myself making friends there and like building up a community at church and kind of thinking like, wow, this is actually a good place for me to be. And I enjoy being here. So whenever I went off to college, um, I had like my freshman year, I went off the deep end and I was like, I'm free again. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, and I actually met a, a roommate that wasn't even a Christian freshman year. And he was like, the way that we're living our lives is terrible. And I'm going to start going to church next year. Um, you can like come with me or not, but I'm done living this kind of lifestyle. And I was like, all right, well, you're basically my only friend at college. So I'm just going to go to church with you. And I would say that's whenever the decision was made, like separate from my parents, where I was like, I want to be in church. I need 
church. I need like the relationship with other Christians. Um, and that was, that was like a big pivoting moment for my life. Yeah, definitely. What is your definition of God? Man, I just think God is like the ruler of this world. And like I said earlier, just like the only source of hope and the only source of good in this world. Um, and yeah, just uh, the creator and the king. I guess that's as simple as it is for me. <laughs> what is free will? Man, I think, you know, free will is is like it sounds. It's It's a freedom that every single human has. We have, you know, the right to make any and all decisions that we want, um, but not without consequence. And I think that, you know, it's beautiful that God has given us free will, but at times it's also really frustrating because it's like, I wish you would have just made it so easy for me to follow you and to like do whatever is right in this world. Um, but yeah, I think without free will, then the relationship between God and his people are, is not as significant. So, um, it's a really important aspect of the Christian faith. Yeah. What happens when we die? So I actually just got done reading a book. Um, I'm totally going to blank on the name. <laughs> it's called Erasing Hell, actually, by Francis Chan. Um, and I had just, like, met some friends, and they were like, you got to read this book called Erasing Hell. Like, it, it kind of challenges all these ideas of of heaven and hell. Um, and I was like, gosh, that, that sounds amazing. Like, I want to read a book that tells me that hell doesn't exist. And like, I want to know that like, if I mess up in this world, that it's not going to be that bad in the afterlife. Um, and this book just like totally debunked that idea. I think it's like super clear using scripture that, um, that heaven and hell are both very real. Um, and that, yeah, God is a jealous God that, um, is going to judge us based on what we did and what our, our faith was like in him. Um, so yeah, I think it's after like asking some hard questions and going through that book and just having conversations with people as much as a bummer that it is, uh, there's, there's no way around there being a, a heaven and hell in my eyes. Hmm. How do you determine what good behavior is? So I am like the furthest person from like having good behavior. I would say <laughs> I struggle with so many things and like, I'm very, very hard on myself and just feel, feel like I need to be doing better all the time. And that is what's so amazing about my, my like belief in the Christian faith is we're promised that you know, we're humans, we're incapable of living a perfect life. And um, really, like the gift of, of grace and mercy from God is, you know, if we have faith in him, and we believe that he can bridge the gap between us being like broken humans in need of a savior, then we receive that grace. Um, so, you know, that's a really, really hard thing to communicate to people who, who are just good. 
Um, like they give their money to good places. They volunteer their time. They like care for people really well. Um, but if they're doing that without the Christian lens in mind, then it's, you know, it's not truly, truly good. Um, and that's really challenging and something that I don't at all have completely figured out, but, um, yeah, I'm very far from being a quote unquote good person. I think that there are a lot of non-Christians that are quote unquote better people than I am, but that's where that free gift of grace comes in and what makes it so amazing. How do we reduce the division? I think the best way to reduce the division is to stop acting like one side has a better idea. Um, you know, like, especially with like politics right now, um, by either side having like really, really like set in stone ideas and not being willing to like open up and consider other people just kind of like creates a tension and like a war almost, and it's super unhealthy. Um, so I think you take away the division by, having an open mind to what other people's experiences are, um, which is a challenge. It's hard to like accept that other people have had different life experiences than you. But um, I think if you can like have an open mind and appreciate everyone's perspective, the walls start to come down and it's easier to love other people the way that we should. Yeah, definitely. Do you believe humans are evil by nature? These are questions I haven't <laughs> thought of before, but I like it. Um, gosh, I think, I think we are. Um, that's my perspective. You know, it's like we come into this world and there are so, so many pressures. It's like, it's like all the odds are against us, you know? Um, it's just so difficult to get through life. In my opinion, it's really, really hard. Um, and yeah, like I said, all the odds are against us and it's easy to like be evil sometimes. Um, it's like, I totally rely on the story of Christ and like way or leaning on that, that truth to like help me try and be positive and like live the best life I can, I guess. That's, that's kind of the best answer I have for that. I've never thought about that. <laughs> What do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? And I've, I've thought about this one a lot lately. Um, it's definitely hard to not think that like the world is just coming to an end with everything that is happening right now. Like, especially in Denver, people are very, very vocal about what they believe. And a lot of that conversation is just super negative. You know, it's like, businesses are going to stay shut down. Everyone's losing their jobs. Everyone's sick. People are dying. And you hear that for a long enough amount of time that it's like, wow, this is seeming really, really negative. Um, but then at the same time, there's, you know, still people, I still feel like, um, like God is still communicating with, with people on earth and people, are needing to like to lean towards something bigger than themselves. Um, like the amount of pain and suffering that's going on in the world right now is creating 
an urgency for people to find something that's a better source of hope than like what they can find on their own. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess a long winded answer, but I think it's too hard to tell, like if the world's just going to keep getting more negative or if it's just going to turn around tomorrow and it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies. I don't think it's either one. Um, but I do still think that God is active and there's still like room for, for this world to become a better place, but it, it really starts with people being open towards like loving each other a lot better than we have been. Sure. And because I always have that barrage of negative questions, uh, I always like to start turning it more <laughs> in an upwards direction. So what are you optimistic about for our future? So this is like a really specific example. Um, and it may not like pertain to this question at all, but it's just really interesting. Um, there's a band that's very, very popular right now called Laney. Um, they're a huge like pop band on the international scene. And I don't think that they're Christians, but they have, um, they have a song that's called, I still talk to Jesus. And in the song, he's like talking about like doing cocaine and drinking and going to the club. Um, but then at the end of the day, he like still feels a desire and a pull on his heart to like turn to Jesus. And I think that that's like one very, very specific example of one guy that's being really vocal about something that a lot of people are experiencing um, that like people are like living in, in kind of like negative ways. And at the end of the day, they feel like this is not fulfilling. I need something more to get me through this life. Um, so I do feel hopeful that like, there is still that tug on people's hearts. And again, we're like getting to a point where the world feels so negative that people can't push it off any longer. They have to like dig into what they actually believe, which I think is exciting. Hmm. What makes you content? Honestly, very little. <laughs> and that's something that I struggle with as a human. Um, like my, my brain is so overactive. I'm like thinking about work and then I've got two side jobs. Like I've mentioned to you, like I run the sound at my church and then I'm thinking about my band and then I'm thinking about my solo music and how I can make it a career just feels like I'm so distracted all the time. Um, which is like really, it's a, it's a very heavy burden. Um, and like I said earlier, in the moments of my life where I'm not prioritizing my faith, I feel so distracted and like disheveled. And in the moments where I reach full capacity and it's like, I'm about to break down, I need to like start cutting things out of my life and prioritizing my faith. Then, then it's like, okay, I, I do feel content, like just sitting still, not worrying about social media, like taking a step back and, and just breathing a little bit. Um, so I think like the less that I have going on, the more content that I am, which is totally opposite of what I'm pursuing most of the time. <laughs> yeah. When will you be satisfied? I don't think I will be on this earth, honestly. <laughs> um, I just always want more and more and more. Uh, and I just think that's like the, the human nature. 
Um, I think some people figure out that formula, but I'm just confident that like enough things have been accomplished that were dreams of mine. And I'm still not satisfied that I am just aware that like nothing will ever satisfy me. Um, like for years it was like, if I was just in a band and other people played music with me, I would be happy. And then I got in a band and then it was like, if we could just play Red Rocks, then I would be happy. And then we did that and it wasn't enough. And if I just have this many listeners or this, this blah, 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 um, it's all just like such irrelevant stuff that like doesn't really make you happy as a person. And I've at least reached a point where I'm like, there is truly nothing in the world that is going to like satisfy me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking towards another life, honestly. Hmm. What advice do you have for people in general? I would say it just feels so good to like acknowledge what you're passionate about and just chase it like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because all throughout college, I knew that I was passionate about music, but I wasn't doing anything about it. And once I got out here, I was like, I'm going to try and do something about this. And like the things that followed were amazing. Um, And the only reason I hadn't tried them before was just letting fear stop me. Um, And I just think that, you know, that thought process will work for anybody that wants to pursue anything. If it's a job or a relationship or a trip or anything, like if you just pursue your dream and like work hard towards it, there's a really good chance that it will pan out the way you want it to. Um, So, yeah, I think that's, that's what I would say. And lastly, and potentially most importantly, cake or pie? I think cake. Yeah. Uh, And then obviously corollary to uh, that question is what is the best cake? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So my mom is like a really great baker and cook. And for my birthdays growing up, she would make like a double layered chocolate cake. And then on the icing on the outside, she would just pour mini chocolate chips all over it. (laughs) And it was just so good. Um, So yeah, I, I think that's, something I will always love. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for doing this with me. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciated it. Uh, Plug your stuff. Where can we find you and your things? So best place to, to, I guess, keep up with what I'm doing is really on Instagram. That's kind of like the musician's website right now. I feel like um everything as far as like videos and music releasing and anything else is usually communicated on there and then spotify is just a great way to listen and and find other people's music that's similar to mine as well yeah heck yeah so yeah once again thank you so much and for taking the time and all that um i'm santiago ramones i'm paul whitaker thank you so much You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, 
an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.